everybody this is brother frank back with another exciting episode and tonight is going to be a great time because we have a returning favorite brother benjamin baruch and a special guest uh brother john haller and i'm excited to have them on tonight's episode jerusalem a cup of trembling uh folks if you haven't seen what's going on in the news lately i don't know what to say except for tune in and listen because tonight's episode will be important we are living in prophetic times we are living it's so near to the coming of the Lord, but before the Lord comes, it will be serious, and those are the days we are preparing for, as the Remnant Call is not just a show here to simply only warn in just in itself, but to to compel you to go deeper with God and to live that that deep walk, the walk that, that says, you know what, I want everything, I mean everything to be surrendered unto the Lord so that I can walk in His holiness and that there's nothing that the enemy can do to, to set me off to the left or the right because I get my value from the Lord Jesus Himself and therefore what man shall say means nothing because God is the one who directs my path and gives me my worth. Well, folks, this, I just want to say about last week's show, uh, praise the Lord. Um, I know it was some audio issues. Um, we ran the show from the homeless shelter. And, uh, you know, we've, my wife and I has been a passion of ours for years with the homeless and drug addicts and poor because I myself was a drug addict for years. And, of course, my wife had to put up with me. And um, But reaching out to those people, it's, it's honestly, it's where we feel like we're at home. And so I was able to... I uh, talk with uh, people, even had my own mother in there and her experiences and fear of what it was like to reach out to people that don't always smell like us or look like us and realize, hey, you know what? They're just like us and we are just one paycheck away from being just like them. And my mom made some comments last week that just really, really hit me deep. And that was, you know, that the homeless don't need us. We needed them. We need a reminder, folks of how good we have it, and to be thankful for what we have. Because at any moment, if some of you listen to the show have been on the street before, know that our lives can be turned right upside down. I want to share something with you as we get into tonight's program. It's just a short word, but I want to share it with you. The wisdom of God is contrary to the way of the natural minds. We believe we need to be strong, and the last thing we want is to become weak or come to the end of ourselves. We have a survival instinct that causes us to just keep on keeping on with the works of the flesh. One more time around the mountain, one more attempt in our own strength, and maybe if we tell the same story one more time, it might finally become the truth. But it never does. For the flesh always produces the same bitter harvest and always brings forth the same briars and thorns. That is from the back page of Volume 1, Out of the Darkness, from the series Search the Scriptures, from Brother Benjamin Baruch. If you've not read this book, you are missing out. Because what Brother Benjamin shares in there is not only a timely word, but it is something that will challenge you deeply. Folks, I know there's all kinds of great books out there. There's all kinds of good stuff out there, but this book is different because when something is bathed in prayer and led by the Lord, it has a different effect upon the readers. 
And so I want to encourage you. Uh, you know, Brother Benjamin publishes his own stuff. He's not. He never looks. He, he's even hesitant to mention his own books much because he doesn't want people to think that he's trying to market them. But when something is that good, it needs to be shared. And, folks, I just want to tell you, please, get that book. Check it out. I promise you're going to read that and, and email me and say, Brother Frank, you were right. That is a powerful book. Well, I'm not going to keep this show any longer from getting underway. I'm just excited to have our guests here, Brother Benjamin and uh, Brother John Haller on here with us tonight. And we're just going to jump right in. Guys, thanks for being here with us tonight. And let's get going. Share with us what the Lord has been laying on your heart. I'm delighted that uh, attorney John Haller uh, has been able to join us tonight to talk about uh, recent events and the prophetic significance thereof. Uh, John and I have been friends for a couple years. He has a powerful uh, prophecy program of his own, which he produces once a week. It's really sort of a prophecy in the news, which uh, you present to your church in Ohio, and then it's uploaded to YouTube. It's an excellent summary of prophetically significant news items. And, John, you've got to be busier than ever these days because they seem to be coming out almost daily now. But welcome to uh, Remnant Call. Thanks. Good to be with you again. Yeah, if, if you want to catch those on our YouTube channel, you can just go to um, YouTube and type in Fellowship Bible Chapel, or my name, John Haller, that's H-A-L-L-E-R, and they should come up. I do a prophecy update once a week. I also teach on Bible topics and speak at some Bible conferences and prophecy conferences around the country. Um and I actually went international just last month, or in October. I went up to uh, Vancouver, so they're still allowing me into Canada. And we talk about uh, current events, apostasy in the church, how things sort of relate to Bible prophecy and the conditions that Scripture lays out will be existent in the end times, which I clearly think that we are living in. Uh, and you know, Ben mentioned that it's uh, I'm a lawyer by profession, but then mentioned that it's a very hectic time to try to keep up with everything that's going on. And it's just, uh, I was sort of sitting here for beginning the tonight or today uh, to prep for what I'm going to talk about on Sunday. And I'm already, you know, I probably could go three or four hours just with what I have right now. It's amazing. Awesome. Well, glad you could be here, John. Hey, let me set the stage for our discussion about the events regarding recognition of Jerusalem as the eternal capital of the state of Israel. Uh, you know, it's fascinating because the, the timing couldn't be more profound with Israel uh, approaching their 70th year anniversary, which will begin in May of 2018. It'll be celebrated on uh, May 14th on the on the Gentile calendar, if you will. And, you know, I was alerted to the significance of this as I was reading the book of Daniel uh, last week in chapter 9, just the preamble of the chapter, verses 1 and 2, in which Daniel noted that he had been studying the scroll of Jeremiah, and according to the rendering of Jeremiah, Seventy years of captivity had been prophesied, after which the Lord would begin to restore Israel back to their own land and, and back to himself as the one true living God. And, and Daniel had 
reckoned the time and realized he was right at the end of these 70 years. And so he began fasting and praying, inquiring as to what God would do next. And of course, towards the end of chapter 9, the next thing the Lord did was send the angel Gabriel, who appeared to Daniel and gave him the prophecy that we all refer to as the prophecy of the 70 weeks. And, of course, that prophecy deals with the actual coming of Messiah, not just the restoration of Israel back to their land, but the true restoration of all of the people of God back to the Lord through the blood of the Lamb of God and, and the, the fulfillment of the covenant. And in that prophecy in Daniel uh, 9, you know, many, many modern teachers have pretty much uh, goofed up a whole bunch of Bible prophecy, and it's unfortunate because they lose the relevant meaning in everything. But the, the prophecies in Daniel 9, chapter, or verses 24 to 27, refer to both a period of time of 62 weeks and a period of time of seven weeks, following commandments to restore the, the city of Jerusalem as the capital. And after the 62 weeks, of course, Messiah would be killed. And, you know, it's our contention, and uh, it's one of the points I would say are, are absolute confirmed as certainty in the prophetic revelation, that these represent uh, time periods for the two comings of the Lord. And so the restoration of Jerusalem as the capital in the end of days, which occurred in 1967, would be followed by also an appearance of the Lord, only this time in his people. And I don't want to go into the, into the prophetic proof that God's coming in his anointed remnant before he comes in the clouds. And, uh, but for some reason, the church quotes that verse, you know, Christ in you, the hope of glory. We all believe we have Jesus in us. Just nobody ever expected he would actually begin to act like God. And everybody thought he was just going to stay the lamb and the suffering servant. But he's about to come forth as the Lion of Judah in a remnant of his people. But what I find so fascinating is I was reflecting on, on Daniel, and the text said, you know, Daniel understood the time. He understood the 70 years were about up. And what then came forth was the revelation of the 70 weeks. And I thought to myself, well, I understand the time. I even understand the prophecy of the 70 weeks. Daniel himself was never really given the interpretation. He was told it would be sealed until the time of the end by the angel at the end of the book. And here we are, the books are being unsealed. And then it occurred to me, much of Bible prophecy is fulfilled twice. And the scripture testifies of this in uh, the book of Job, in which the scripture says that God speaks, but man fails to perceive, fails to understand, fails to recognize the full meaning or impact of the word of the Lord. For when the Lord speaks, he speaks twice. There are two meanings, two fulfillments. And, and, you know, and, and there's examples all over Scripture to demonstrate that. The coming of Messiah, who was promised to come, comes twice. And uh, not to go down that road, but as I began to think about this, I realized, wait a minute. In the book of Micah, the Lord is speaking of Jerusalem and speaking of Israel in the last days, and he says, I will give them up until the time that the woman who will be in travail has given birth to the man-child of Revelation chapter 12. Israel was given up to their rebellion. They were given up to their sin. They were given up to slavery. The nation was destroyed. And then I began to, re to reflect and realize 
even though Israel has been brought back to the land, and the nation itself was restored as a nation-state among the world in 1948, Israel has yet to be restored spiritually. Israel is full of uh, atheists. Seventy percent of the people, ironically, are still atheists in Israel. And of those that are religious, the majority of them vehemently reject the New Covenant, thinking they're somehow going to restore the relationship of the nation with the God of heaven by somehow observing the Old Covenant. Yet their God has moved on. And if you want to do business with Father God, you've got to come through the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you, know, you can't go back to the Old Covenant. But, so Israel is being blinded spiritually. Many of them are in, in outright unbelief. The ones that do believe are lost under the deception of the law and the Old Covenant. And every sin, Jerusalem's referred to as Sodom, and I, I, Tel Aviv itself is a gay capital of the world. And I began to realize Israel is yet in slavery, only now spiritually. And of course, when Israel was brought into slavery in the time of Daniel, the slavery was under the rule of the king of Babylon. Babylon had conquered Israel, had basically destroyed the temple, and taken the people in literal slavery back to the land of Babylon. And Daniel was a youth and had been taken with them. And so Israel lived in slavery in Babylon for 70 years. Today, if you think about the history of Israel, the nation's been under the dominion of the king of Babylon. It was the British crown that issued the Balfour Declaration. And we know the head of the lion, you know, the beast that rises out of the sea, has the head of a lion, the eagle's wings having been plucked. The bear and, and the leopard will all unite with the lion into a global government, but the head will be the lion. And so the king of Babylon, the final king of Babylon, again has his finger, his thumb, if you will, on the political destiny of the state of Israel. And, and in recent times, it's been through the direction, the compulsion, the pressure from the American government, which is really united with the British Empire. You know, we call it a special relationship here, but in many ways the scriptures point to the fact that we're really carrying out an agenda that's being formed by another power. And, and yet... The king of Babylon has got Israel in a form of slavery yet today. And, and then I began to realize, the 70 years is almost up. God's getting ready to deliver Israel again. And, and how did he deliver Israel the first time? From the tyranny and the slavery of Babylon. The media Persian Empire came in and destroyed Babylon, took over the country. The kingdom of Babylon was, was overturned. And in the first year of Cyrus, we know from the book of Ezra that Cyrus began to make decrees in which he, the first decree is he declared that the house of the Lord God of Israel, for he is the only true God, is in Jerusalem. So Cyrus declared that Jerusalem was the place of the house of the true God of heaven. And then I find it really fascinating, in, in Ezra chapter 6, Cyrus goes on and makes a second decree concerning the house of God in Jerusalem, and he said, let the house be built, and also let the vessels of the house of God be restored. So not only was Jerusalem recognized as the capital of the kingdom of God, who is the true God of the earth, but the commandment to rebuild the temple was given, and also the commandment to restore the vessels. 
And is it not interesting that in the first year of Donald Trump's presidency, he has issued a similar decree that Jerusalem is the true capital of the reborn state of Israel. And so all these events are lining up for the soon deliverance of Israel from spiritual slavery. And, and by extension, I would expect that the Gentile church, which has been grafted into the spiritual kingdom of Israel, is also going to be delivered of the apostasy. And, you know, what is fulfilled in the natural under the old covenant will be fulfilled yet again, only in the spirit under the new covenant. For the new covenant is, is the word of God revealed by or with the revelation of the Spirit of God, where the letter killed, the Spirit of God brings life and salvation through the Word of God. And now the vessels that are going to be restored are the people. The temple God's building in our generation is not a temple made of stone. It's a temple of living stones. And the vessels that he's going to use in his ministry unto the nations in these last days, they are the remnant of his people who he's prepared for this hour. And so the decree to restore the, the city, the decree to restore the temple, also included a decree to restore, yet again, the vessels that, of honor that God had ordained would be used in his service. And so I'm looking forward to a time of restoration among the remnant. You know, the darkness is coming upon the earth and deep darkness upon the minds of the people. And even the church, much of which has fallen into gross apostasy, they too can't really hear the sound, the voice of the Master speaking in the wind. And yet a remnant is being called forth, and unto them is the promise of restoration. And I, I find it so awesome that in the book of Zechariah, the Lord basically said, I will yet choose Jerusalem again. And he says, I will return to Jerusalem I'm returning to Jerusalem, Zechariah 1, verse 16, with mercy, and my house shall be built in it. And a line will be stretched forth upon Jerusalem. God's going to bring his judgment line upon his holy city and upon the people that are the new living temple. And he says, but yet I will comfort Zion, and I will yet choose Jerusalem. And the, the action by Donald Trump, in many ways, is a statement to all of the nations who are incensed, including the false prophet who sits in the, you know, in the fake church in Rome, all of these people that are opposed to the true kingdom of God, who are in outrage. Here, Donald Trump made a statement similar to Cyrus, saying, you guys got it all wrong. This is the capital of the kingdom of Israel, and if you care to read the footnotes, the one God of heaven happens to be king of this kingdom. And so the nations are incensed, and at the same time that the Lord is saying, I'm going to comfort Zion and choose Jerusalem. Jerusalem's also being made a cup of trembling. And you can see the rage beginning to spread. And, and so, you know, we've really, this, this fire that's been lit in the minds of men is, is going to bring rejoicing and joy to the people of God for the truth being proclaimed. And at the same time, the enemies of God are just, you know, beside themselves in rage. And so I think it was a phenomenal prophetic event that occurred through the hand of uh, President Trump and you know, all true believers in the Word of God and all people who really love the Lord and who love the kingdom of Israel, the true spiritual kingdom of Israel, which is the elect or the ecclesia of God, are all rejoicing.
And so that's my intro. John, what do you think? I want to build a little bit on what Ben said. And uh, so let me tee this up by going back. One, I, I agree with what you said. Um, so that that's good. Uh, but let me just tee it up just a little bit in that the because uh, Ben, you when we talked the other day uh, for a little bit, uh, you mentioned the seventy years, and I I didn't really think about it that much until this morning. I had some extra time, and I thought I need to. I, I just felt a compulsion to look up something about the seventy years. But first of all, before I get there, I want to say that this is this is an incredible month. Uh, a period of significant anniversaries with respect to Israel and Jerusalem. It was uh, 120 years ago that the Zionist movement really got started in Basel, Switzerland, uh, with Theodore Herzl. Uh, That was in uh, 1897. It was 20 years later, 20 years just last month, just a few weeks ago, was the 100th anniversary of the signing of the Balfour Declaration, uh, how this uh, British, um, uh, the, the British government came to say that there should be a homeland for the Jewish people. Then uh, it was shortly after that, uh, in fact, it was just uh, we're at the 100th anniversary of General Allenby, of uh, the British, uh, the armed British Army, taking back, physically taking back the city of Jerusalem, uh, including a recent celebration of, I think they brought some people in from New Zealand to celebrate the 100th anniversary of a New Zealand contention from the British Empire Army, uh, winning a major battle at Beersheba. Uh, And I remember Netanyahu went down there to thank them for what they had done. That was 100 years ago. Uh, I was in... Uh, Jerusalem, uh, my wife and I were there privileged to go on a trip there back in May, which on the Jewish calendar was the time when they celebrated the 50th anniversary of the rebirth of the nation of Israel. And I have to tell you, if, you know, every time I've been to Israel, uh, it's been an incredibly moving experience. This time was probably uh, far exceeded it. We We spent a lot of time in the heart of the uh, of the ancient Jewish homeland, which is the mountains of Israel. We went to Hebron. We went to Shiloh. We went to Shechem. And then we were in Jerusalem on the, the day, uh, Yom Yerushalayim, that they celebrated the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem. And it was said that there were probably more people in Jerusalem that day than had ever been in Jerusalem on a single day in its history. It was an incredible thing to watch, the celebration, the people walking around with flags, the singing, the young people marching down the street with flags, celebrating uh, the reunification of the city of Jerusalem, which in in those miraculous battles that occurred in the Six-Day War. Uh, But Ben, you mentioned the other day, so that's sort of my little introduction to what I wanted to say about the 70 years. Uh, Last Sunday when I talked, I used, it was either last Sunday or the Sunday before, was right after, on on the Gentile calendar, the 70th anniversary of United Nations Resolution 181, which set up what later 
a number of about six, about seven or eight months later, became the nation of Israel in May of 1948. So on the Gentile calendar, on November 29, 1947, the UN adopted, in a very close vote, they had to get a two-thirds majority. It was very unclear as to how that was going to come out. And they did get 33 uh, votes, which was su uh, sufficient to make the two-thirds majority to adopt Resolution 181, which allowed for the creation of a Jewish state based on the UN. Now, I ring that up then because I don't even know if you know what you said to me on the phone the other day about the 70 years and how significant that was because the day on the Jewish calendar for November 29, 1947, was the 17th of Kislev. Now, the, the month of Kislev is, uh, I think, often referred to as the month of dreams. I, I, so I looked it up this morning. I, I got the, the calendar out. Trump's proclamation for recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of the nation of Israel came on the 18th of Kislev. It actually was one day after the complete the completion of 70 years. Wow. Did you hear what I said, Ben? I don't think you knew that, did you? Yeah, I've, I've got you <laughs> muted, but yeah, absolutely. Wow. <laughs> well, you're talking about 70 years from the UN partition mandate. The UN partition was on 17th Kislev. Right. Trump's proclamation was on 18th Kislev, which was one day, the day after the full completion of 70 years from the, the uh, Resolution 181, the mandate that led to the creation of the Nation of Israel. I, I don't think that these, um, you know, these are I'm, coincidences. Uh, I'm a lawyer. Yeah, I'm a lawyer. I'm, an I'm a trial lawyer. I'm an evidence guy. And, you know, these coincidences are just, they, they happen too often to continually write them off as they're just a, a simple coincidence or uh, an accident of history. Uh, I would also say that the, <coughs> excuse me, that the, the trip we had, we, we spent time uh, in May in the mountains of Israel. And uh, just a couple thoughts of that. It, the one thing that struck me as we were driving around uh, with our guide, it was just my wife and I and our guide, Joel Kramer, uh, who's a great biblical archaeologist, by the way. You should look him up on YouTube, Joel Kramer. And we drove through these mountains. We were driving through the, uh, the area of the northern kingdom, uh, Ephraim. And, and the thing that struck me was that, that you know, there's this, this push by the world to deny the existence of the Jewish people in the land. And there's a push to give the area of the mountains of Israel to uh, the people who call themselves Palestinians. Uh, I think that's prophetically discussed in, in Ezekiel chapter 36, which is one of my favorite passages of Scripture, because it talks about the fact that there will be a people in the end times that will occupy the mountains of Israel that will be haughty and proud and sort of thumbing them the, their nose at Israel. 
but it, it also talks about the great restoration of Israel because it's a fulfillment of God's promise. It's a, it's a God holding his promises fast. And it says that, you know, you, Israel, you, you played the harlot. Uh, you even, I, I punished you by sending you out into the nations, and you still played the harlot there. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to bring you back in the land. I'm going to bring you back from all over the world, and I'm going to put you in this land, not because you deserve it, but because my holy name is at stake. And it's very similar to how our salvation works with the Lord. We don't, we don't get saved because we deserve it. We get saved because God has called out a people to himself, and the fact that we're saved uh, inures to the, to the glory of God, just like bringing the people of Israel back into their land in the last days in unbelief, because it says in the passage there uh, in Ezekiel chapter 36 around verse 23, 24, when I've brought you back, I'm going to put a new heart in you, and you will know that I am the Lord. So God keeps his promises. God works on a time clock. I, I do think, I, I will confess to you, Ben, my friend, I was a little bit skeptical when you brought up this 70-year thing the other day. Uh, I, wanted, I was also skeptical that Trump was actually going to do what he said. I, I listened to enough politicians over my lifetime that um, I have a, a very healthy skepticism. And lo and behold, here was uh, Trump actually upholding his promise. But on a significant day, it was the day after the 70 years of this mandate period had run. Uh, I, I, do think, I do think it's significant. But the other thing that's interesting is that, uh, for I think I posted this on my Facebook page today, um, there are a lot of people in the world today who's, uh, I didn't know how else to say it other than say that uh, they got their panties in a bunch over what, uh, uh, or knickers in a knot, I guess if I was in the uh, United Kingdom, I would say that, that there's a lot of people uh, very upset with what happened. The world governments are reeling. It is exactly what Zachariah says that, it, Jerusalem will be a cup of trembling, a cup of reeling for the nations. And you see that playing out right in front of our eyes today. I mean, it, it's absolutely stunning to watch. Well, and there's another date. I think you might have mentioned it in passing, but just to highlight the fact, you know, we are looking at the 50-year anniversary of the restoration of Jerusalem, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. But the prophecy, you know, we've... We've had so much disinformation. The Lord warned us, take heed, no man deceive you, because we live in, in probably the time of the greatest deception ever. We have more information at our fingertips than any generation before us, and yet the vast majority of it is all designed to deceive us, not to deliver us, not to enlighten us, but to basically cover us under shades of darkness. And, and so, too, all of the errors in Bible doctrines, they didn't occur randomly. Satan brought every one of them forth, to leave the church either in slavery or devoid of power or unaware of the season in which we are living, one of which, of course, is the, the 70 weeks. And from the compass of time, 
the commandment in the, in the time of Nehemiah until the birth of Jesus was the 62 weeks, the 434 years, and you had to add the jubilees. And if anyone you know, seriously wants to understand that, I would refer you to Isaac Newton's book, and Newton spent a lifetime studying exactly that prophetic verse and concluding that the 62 weeks was the first coming. The seven weeks prophecy represents a compass of time in the last days. And you know, the, the Scripture even tells us after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be killed, but not for himself. So you know, we clearly know that's the, the Lord paying the price of our sins on the cross 2,000 years ago. But the point I'm trying to make is, when do we start counting the 49 years? And, you know, is it the date that Jerusalem was restored in the Six-Day War? Or is it the date when the Knesset formally issued the Reconstruction Orders, the commandment to restore Jerusalem, which several people point to an action by the Knesset in April of 1969, in which case the event would be 49 years would take us into April of 2018. And do we have to add the one-year jubilee that follows 49 years? And does that push us into 2019? And what exactly is the event that will take place after these seven weeks? Well, for those of you who've listened to me um, long enough, that you understand the ministry of the man-child is part of the seven-year ministry of Jesus Christ, and that the Lord comes in his people before he comes in the clouds, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I mean, it's all over the Word of God. And, Frank, we really should do a show on, on the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lion of Judah in his people. I mean, this is literally from the beginning to the end of the book. Um, these, you know, this is not the ministry of Billy Graham. This is the ministry of the Lion of Judah coming forth. But this ministry will occur, the birth of the man-child in the beginning, essentially at the point that the man-child is born, the, the woman has to flee to the wilderness. And, you know, we're talking about the, the Great Tribulation is, is most likely underway. And, you know, whether it's a 2018 or a 2019 event, we are, we're down to scarcely a little bit of time. And I was uh, talking with Jeffrey Nyquist today. We were discussing sort of the scandals that are covering the news in our country, from the, the sex abuse scandals uh, affecting both business leaders, uh, Hollywood celebrities, and government leaders. Senators are being you know, forced to resign. People are even you know, trying to attack the president with similar accusations. But the point that was interesting is Jeff made the comment in talking with several of his experts who um, are people that are tied to or, or were inside the Soviet command and control structure. This level of scandal is really sort of the final period of what was described as the overture. You know, and it's designed to basically cause the American people to lose confidence in their leaders, to lose confidence in the government. And, and you know, this is sort of the preparatory phase before the war. And when you look back at how did God deliver Israel from the slavery of Babylon, uh, he allowed the war to come. And Babylon was destroyed. And the Media Persian Empire destroyed Babylon. And then the Lord used Media Persia to, to the king of Media Persia, to issue the decrees and, and ultimately commission Nehemiah to go back and restore the land. Well, today, the daughter of Babylon is the United States, and the 
king of Babylon will rise following the death of the plucking of the eagle's wings, the destruction of America. And, you know, that event is going to liberate the church. i got news for you guys. When World War III comes, and when you see, you know, the, the cities of the United States incinerated, those of us who are survivors of this event, we will find a new level of repentance. I recall when I was translated by the Lord into the persecution that will come either immediately before or after the war, you know, it was so intense that it, it produced a level of repentance I'd never, you know, experienced before in my life. And it was a repentance that was so deep, it hurt, that it was a sword that cut your soul so deep, it hurt so bad, it began to feel good. And, and that is essentially what is lacking in the church. You know, if you want the truth, um, we don't need more formulas for church growth. We don't need more psychology to, you know, learn how to cope with the issues that everyone has accumulated in this time of apostasy and bondage. What we need is deep, heartfelt repentance. And believe me, when the fire comes and when the war comes, not only will we find new faith in the Lord, but Israel as well. When the invasion of Ezekiel 38 occurs, it's right in the prophecy. That's the point where Israel will be facing extinction. You know, today the Israelis think the IDF can't be defeated in the battlefield. Well, in Ezekiel 38, they're going to be defeated. You know, the enemies of God will be at the gates of Jerusalem, and there won't be anyone to stop them. And the people of Israel will have lost all hope. They will be facing extermination. And so the nation will cry out, you know, perhaps there is a God of Israel who could hear us. And so all the unbelieving Jews and all of the Jews that are, that are so full of pride with all their religious knowledge, they're going to be on their faces repenting before the Lord, and the country will cry out to the God of heaven, who happens to be the king of Israel, and the Lord's going to hear his people at that time. And that's when the, move, hey, that's when the great revival will begin. John, I want to ask you a question based on kind of dovetails off what Benjamin was talking about and the spiritual captivity and then something you had mentioned uh, about a lot of people are angry right now. I feel like, you know, America, we parallel Israel so much, and there seems to be this spiritual captivity over our nation. Uh, when this happens, we're, a lot of the church right now, we're kind of like Hezekiah when he was willing to, you know, pull the gold off the temple doors just in order to appease the king of Assyria. Um, and, and so it's like we're willing to take away this holiness, you know, that gold on the temple doors in order to appease the wicked. And there's so many people afraid right now to do the right thing. I mean, how can you not call Jerusalem the capital of Israel? And, and, and I feel that there's, Benjamin, you, I mean, I know you see it too, that there's this dual parallel spiritual bondage. The good news, though, is that shortly after that event, Ezekiel, or Hezekiah remembers and he goes back to the Lord like in the days of old and that's when the deliverance came. I feel we're right close to that. If, if the right things broke and things got desperate enough, uh, we could see that. Uh, same thing that happened in Hezekiah's day. Well, there's actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because I had started to prepare a teaching on this for a conference and I, I just uh, got sidetracked uh, one of the significant things that I noted uh, on our trip to Israel, I mean, I, I hate to talk about it all the time, but it has such a, a lasting impact on you, but 
we went up to <clears throat> the day that we went up to uh, Shechem, Shiloh, then Shechem, and we were there. We had to talk our way through an Israeli checkpoint to get out of Nablus, where Shechem is located, because the Palestinians were <clears throat> pretty fired up. They had a lot of roads shut off in the uh, uh, what they improperly call the West Bank up in Judea and Samaria. So we were up in Samaria at Nablus. Um, they were all fired up because Trump was coming and Trump was going to go to the wall. That was, uh, uh, we were up there on Friday during the, the time when they had their, they get them all fired up in the mosque on Friday mornings at Friday prayers. And you could hear over the loudspeakers coming from all the mosques there in Nablus, which is probably one of the most, is, I don't think, Hebron and Nablus are probably the most radicalized uh, Palestinian areas. It's where uh, Nablus is where most of the, a lot of the uh, suicide bombers have come from. They have uh, memorials, uh, murals to them, squares to them. And we left, we left uh, Nablus, we drove up over Mount Gerizim, and then we went over to Samaria, <clears throat> which is where uh, our, our guy, Joel Kramer, was telling us that, you know, when, when and also at, at uh, Shechem, he was telling us this, uh, standing there, by the way, next to the stone that Joshua erected at Shechem. There's just no doubt in my mind that the stone that he erected, you can walk up and touch there in Shechem to, to this day. And we talked about the the invasion from Assyria and how at the time of Hezekiah, the city of Jerusalem became uh, a refuge uh, Joel referred to it when he was talking about it as the sheepfold. The city, the whole western hill of Hezekiah expanded the city because so many people fled from the north because they knew what was coming with the Assyrian storm. And it took uh, the Assyrians three years to get Samaria because of its fortifications. But then we know that the Lord intervened down at Jerusalem and and protected them and the assyrians went back and the, the remnant of israel in that sheepfold of jerusalem were saved i think we're the, the this is going to parallel itself in uh it, it to me it appears to be the near term i mean look you know i don't want to uh, date set or anything like that but it, it certainly appears to be set up the nations are angry the, the, I mean, the, the leaders of the world, Macron, the EU, uh, the guy, the, the Pope, that fake leftist uh, guy who calls himself the Pope, um, they were all upset about this. The, in the, the, you know, the Arab countries, I mean, today on the front page of the Tehran, Tehran Times was an article First, there was an article about Khamenei saying how, you know, this is just a, he, he essentially said, I, I have to look it up, it's, this is a spiritual thing. This is a spiritual fight they're in. Now, listen, when the, when the unsaved, unsaved people are out there telling us that this is a spiritual battle, uh, maybe it is a spiritual battle that's going on, that this is a manifestation of the war going on in the heavenlies. And then there was an article just to the right of that in the upper right-hand corner about how Turkey and Iran 
are calling for a, a meeting of the Organization of Islamic Countries to discuss this Jerusalem thing and the crisis that's been created. Now, if you don't understand how significant that is, that Sunni Turkey and Shia Iran want to have a joint meeting, I, you really need to wake up and start paying attention. But I, I like what you said about the the thing about uh, Hezekiah, because I, I do think that uh, what happened at Hezekiah when the Assyrian invasion came, we know that there is this uh, coming leader who is identified in Isaiah as the Assyrian uh, who will cause the people to flee to yet another sheepfold. I think we know where that is. I, I the, the parallels of the pattern that the Jewish scriptures lay out as to what we should be w- watching for is incredibly significant. I, I think we, we lose a lot when we, we just read them for, um, and there's a tendency to just read them literally and not Hebraically. And I think if you look at that, uh, the way that uh, the Hebrew scriptures set forth patterns that we should be looking for, uh, the patterns that were that we just brought up tonight, and and I don't think you brought up Hezekiah now that you know by accident because I've been thinking about that and trying to work that in, up into a teaching for quite some time. Um, it, you know, I'm. Um, I'm somewhat gobsmacked, I guess is the word. That, you know, I'm, I'm almost, I, I don't know what to say. Let me just say one more thing, uh, and then I'll let somebody else speak. When Daniel had that prayer in Daniel chapter 9, he did not say, oh, goody, you know, I'm going back to Jerusalem. You know, I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to go back to Jerusalem. What Daniel did was he got down on his face, and he called on the Lord, and he repented on behalf of the nation of Israel. And I think that that is, that was in captivity. Ben mentioned it. I think this is what's what we're going to see happen in the near future. Well, it's interesting. Um, one final comment from my conversation with Jeff Nyquist. He was speaking with guys that are, who have direct connection to the military apparatus of uh, the former Soviet Union, particularly Spetsnaz forces. And he was making the statement, what we're seeing develop today in the political and social fabric of our country, where now there's all of these scandals, you know, people being accused of meeting secretly with the Russians, people being accused of all kinds of scandalous activities from Pizzagate to the pedophile rings to you know the the sexual abuse scandals to all of the indictments and the you know prosecutors looking into you know Russian involvement in our election and who had an improper communication with Russia this is all part the final phase of the overture which leading defectors from the Soviet Union told us this final phase of demoralization where essentially the communists know they're ready to begin the war. 
They know that World War III is, is in the immediate future, within a year, two years, something like that. Now they're going to uncover all of the dirt that they have on Western leaders. They're going to disclose communist double agents. They no longer need them. They most likely will be killed in the war anyway. They will also falsely indict true patriots who will be accused of also being communist cooperatives or communist sympathizers. And they will also bring out whatever other dirt they can to just create a, a groundswell of disillusionment in order to divide the United States, in order to divide the population so that the country won't rally together and so the country won't be able to defend itself when, when ultimate military hostilities occur. And now, the, Jeff made the comment, he, he thought World War III, and this was based on discussions with experts that came, people that came out of the Soviet Union and are defectors to the West, they were saying the war could take place as soon as a few months from now. Now, I reminded Jeff that the, we know from Jeremiah 1551 that the attack on the daughter of Babylon, the, the attack on the hindermost nation, the plucking of the eagle's wings, it occurs in the time of the harvest. So, you know, we're good as far as, you know, we don't need to worry about World War III until next fall, but that doesn't mean we won't see a financial collapse, uh, beginning of internal chaos, martial law, the beginning of civil war between various factions in our country. You know, we, we could see quite a show over the next nine months. And I'm not forecasting World War III in the fall of 2018. Maybe perhaps it's another year out. Perhaps it's in 19. But I can tell you this much, folks. You know, the, the time... There's but a little window of grace. It says in the book of uh, Ezra, the Lord has provided us a little period of grace for us to decide if we want to truly repent and become part of his remnant. And then when the judgment begins, when the door closes, when he comes as a thief in the night and he seals his remnant up in his secret hiding place, and I'm sorry, for those of you holding out for a preacher rapture, you're going to be really disappointed when the war goes off and you're still here. And um, we need to really take heed to these things because this is real. You know, it's, it's going to no longer be a spectator sport. You know, Bible prophecy watching is going to become a, a life-changing endeavor because these events are ultimately coming and, and touching every one of our lives. And so we best take heed and, and um, praise God. I'm not trying to be a date setter, but I can tell you this much. The 70 years of Psalm 90 is up in the next year or so. You know, the anniversary is in May of 2018, but really that's just, if you will, you know, the 71st year doesn't occur until 2019. So the events prophesied after 70 years could certainly take place at any point in that window. And as will the birth of the man-child, seven weeks or 49 years, perhaps plus a jubilee, following the command to restore Jerusalem in the last days. We're knocking on the door, folks. And, um, you know, praise God. He's going to restore the vessels that he has chosen for use in this time. And, you know, um, that's very comforting for those of us that are seeking the Lord with all of our hearts. It should be very terrifying for the Christians who are playing the game called Let's 
try to hide our sin and pretend that we can still come into God's house and hide our sin. And, you know, unfortunately, blindness to our true condition is the first consequence of playing the game of let's hide our sin. And the only thing that can open our, our eyes now is if we begin fasting and praying. I was talking to a friend of mine, a prayer partner of mine, Michael, who lives up in Canada, and, and um, he's from Africa, and he knows a number of very devout believers that are also from Africa. And one of them the Lord sent to the United States and, uh, recently, and when he got to the United States, he could not pray. And he thought, well, what did I do? You know, I just flew on an airplane. I must have committed some sin. I, I don't know why, how, how it is or why it is that I can't pray like I could pray at home, but suddenly I'm being hindered in my prayers like I never saw. And so he began to fast and pray and really press in, and the Lord spoke to him and said, layer upon layer of darkness has covered this land because the ground is defiled by the blood of the innocents. The only way to break through these layers is through prayer and fasting and through understanding divine command and understanding how to open the third heaven. And, you know, we're not going to argue Bible prophecy and, and defeat Satan. And we're not going to argue legalistic doctrines and, and enter into the anointing. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. The land is defiled. We're knocking on the door of the judgment. You know, if you don't believe me, hey, stick around for a few more months or maybe a year. Believe the newspaper when you... Or, you know, quite candidly, let me finish with this. I was watching NBC News two nights ago, and they were talking about a nuclear attack on Los Angeles, and they even showed a really very well-done artistic rendering of a nuclear detonation over downtown L.A. They showed the roughly 10-square-block area of complete incineration. Then they showed the circles of destruction from severe damage to moderate damage. Uh, and then they went on to talk about the radiation impacts on the survivors and the fact that there will be millions of people in L.A. that survive a 20-kiloton detonation over downtown Los Angeles. And I thought to myself, 20 years ago when I came out with the the warning of the Lord in my book, The Day of the Lord is at Hand, and I tried to warn people America would one day be attacked using nuclear weapons. People thought I was crazy. Now it's on the evening news. We have a foreign country, Korea, North Korea, that is today said it is absolute certain that we will attack the United States with nuclear weapons. So you know, we're not making this stuff up, folks. It's really common, and you better really get ready because we're all going to be really here when it gets really real. And that'll be the time of testing. And then we're going to find out what we really believe. And so, mm. you know, I would say get ready. Maranatha, yeah. come Lord Jesus. You know, it's, uh, I have people ask me, you know, about the coming of Jesus. And, and, and uh, folks, I believe the Lord is coming soon, but it's what's going to happen before. My question is, are you ready? There is a time when men's hearts will fail them for fear. There's a time when they shall seek death and not find it. There is a time that will, there will be paralyzing trauma upon the earth, and there's no bunker deep enough, there's no cave that goes down in the earth far enough that is going to protect us from those situations, folks. It is only if we are under the blood 
and we have come under the wings of the Lord, that he will bring us through these times. I know, Benjamin, I know sometimes you feel like you're just trying to tell people over and over again, but folks, the reason he's doing it is because he wants you to get awake, get ready. Listen, you can listen to this program all night long, but if you don't go to your prayer closet, if you don't start praying and fasting, if you don't begin to seek the Lord, then your faith is nothing more than a superficial word that you are saying out loud and then doing nothing about. You cannot deliver yourself, but you can seek the Lord with all your heart. And you can't even always do that, but you can confess it and ask his help, and he will do it because God wants his people ready. And so, guys, I thank you for sharing this, and I'm going to turn it back over to you. But, folks, I just want to say, don't let this program fall on your ears and then just go on to the next show. Make a difference. Make tonight the night where you say, you know what, I'm getting everything out of the closet. I'm going back in there, and I'm going to begin to pray, and I'm going to make a difference because I'm going to seek God with everything I've got. And I'll tell you, folks, your lives will change, and you can face these times in confidence knowing that he who laid down everything that promised to never leave you nor forsake you will be there with you to the very end. And that's all i got, folks, for right now. But, guys, I want to turn it back over to you. Um, thank you for sharing this because this is the hour. we got to wake up. Amen. John, you got I any agree. final comments? Uh, just um, I think that um, as, I, as I've watched this, um, and I, I've talked about this, I've been talking about this for 20 years, um, but I have a sense, I think a more of a sense of urgency now than I have had in the past ever before. Um, you know, I, I was just seeing some things just, uh, you know, there were the arguments at the Supreme court this week about a, you know, a Christian baker and what, what he, you know, the government wants to force him that. I saw a video today of the, uh, the house in Australia celebrating, the uh, enactment of the same-sex marriage bill there, and and the refusal to enact a single a single amendment that would protect the religious liberties of Australians that might be opposed to that, and 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 that they might want to express that. Um, what what I see is, and what I've noted for a while now, is that it appears that the Lord is decoupling his faithful remnant from the world and just in sending us the message that our, we need to be totally, completely, and uh, without reservation devoted to him and reliant on him and him alone because the world's got, the world's just got nothing. The Lord has it all. Ben? Amen, brother. It's, um, you know, there's a scripture that says, the prudent shall keep silent, for the days are evil. And yet, uh, the Lord commanded me to shout from the housetops for 20 years as well. And so I did, but I would rather, if it were my choice, at this point, I'd rather just become quiet because they, most people aren't listening, you know. Like the Lord said to uh, Isaiah, you know, they come as my people and they listen and, and you have a beautiful voice and, you know, they're entertained. They enjoy 
the message, they're not going to do any of the things that you said to do. You know, and it behooves us that, you know, we take heed ourselves and get ready because this thing, when this starts, if you are not walking in the fullness of the anointing, you will be blown away. Now, maybe it'll blow you, you know, it'll knock you down on your knees and you can repent from the bottom of your heart and the Lord may yet still have mercy and count you among his remnant. But there's no way to walk through the day of the Lord in the mind of the flesh. We must practice, we must learn, we must develop the ability to enter into his presence, enter into the anointing of the Holy Spirit, And then we've got to spend enough time in fasting and in prayer, having turned away from the unclean things of Babylon, that we can remain in his presence. And that is a challenge on ground that is defiled as the ground of the United States of America. Because, you know, our knowledge of good and evil isn't going to get us down the road for five minutes in what's coming. We're going to have to be protected. We're going to have to be led by the Holy Spirit. And, you know, if that produces some fear in us, well, maybe it's a good fear because this is the day of the Lord and we need to fear the Lord. You know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. God is able to deliver us by simply a commandment, by simply speaking the word. We will be delivered. But it is going to be his decision. None of us can save ourselves. And the Lord can save everyone he chooses. And the rest of his people, they're going to go through enough fire to purify them. And so, you know, the fire's coming, and the, the commandment, the requirement of the king is purity. And now you can, you can take a quick study program called Fasting and Prayer, and you can make it easy on yourself. And you can do the work yourself in the comfort of your own home. You can do fasting and prayer, and, and that will work the purity of, into your heart or your soul. Or we can continue to just you know, feed the flesh, continue to walk in the mind of the flesh, continue to think that our knowledge of good and evil is somehow going to deliver us. That's the whole Hellenist school anyway. The whole Greek philosophy is it's all based on the knowledge of good and evil. That's what's going to... You know, deliver you. And the guy with the greatest knowledge, he's the teacher in the front. And, but, you know, the Hebraic worldview is a, is a view based on relationship. We need to have a relationship with the Lord. We need to walk with Him. We need to be able to abide in Him. You know, the Psalm 91, they that abide in the secret. You've got to dwell there, folks. You can't just claim it, you know. I mean, I, I had the, the great... Uh, blessing and, and privilege to live in Jerusalem for a time and to go to graduate school at the Hebrew University. And I, I mean, I've visited Israel quite a few times and I love going. I feel like I'm going home every time. And But living in Jerusalem was even greater. And um, But today I don't live in Jerusalem. You know, and even if I were to, you know, claim, you know, I'm, I'm just going to profess that I live in Jerusalem. You know, excuse me, I'm, I'm in Babylon. I'm in the U.S. right now. And what I declare isn't going to change anything. And, you know, the church is in the same place where they, somehow we just got sold a bunch of, a bill of goods, really. This, you know, false 
word of faith movement where people claimed things that weren't even real. They claimed things without ever meeting the preconditions. Go read Psalm 91. There are conditions. If you meet the conditions, then the promise of the psalm will be yours. You don't even need to claim it. You know? You don't have to claim it. It is automatically yours if you meet the condition of dwelling in the secret shadow, secret hiding place of the Lord, dwelling in the presence of the Lord. If you don't, you can claim this all day long, and it's going to change a thing. You know, we've got to get real. We've got to come into reality, because reality is about to interrupt all of our lives. And, you know, the good news yes, is God's is. allowing it to turn the people back to himself. Amen. Amen. Hey, John, um, you know, I in the beginning we had a little bit of a technical uh, difficulty, but we got a moment just to share again with our audience uh, a little bit about you again and how they can get a hold of you and follow you on YouTube and, and uh, your prophecy update that you do. Sure. I uh, teach at a church here in the Columbus, Ohio area called Fellowship Bible Chapel. Uh, our website is fbchapel.com. We do. Uh, I teach Sunday mornings, most Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Um, uh, we do live stream it on Facebook at our Fellowship Bible Chapel Facebook page. We also live stream on live stream. There's links to that on our fbchapel.com homepage. And then our, you can just look up my name or Fellowship Bible Chapel on um, on YouTube, and you, we put all of our teachings, uh, conferences that we hold, and that type of thing. We just put them all up on YouTube for uh, everyone to to learn from. So uh, we'd appreciate it if you go and subscribe and, and watch and share. Um, you know, we're just a small church. Uh, Lord's brought um, an amazing uh, group of people our way. Uh, you know, it's we we didn't advertise or anything. Uh, the first year we put things up, we had 17,000 views, and this year we should be uh, up above 2 million. So it's uh, it's kind of an it's a very interesting thing to watch. And Lord's brought some amazing people and stories to us of people who've gotten saved watching our our YouTube videos and had their lives changed, and it's uh, it's been a real blessing. So you can get us, you know, as I said, Fellowship Bible Chapel or my name at uh, John Haller at uh, YouTube will get you there. Amen. Thanks for that, John. We really appreciate you coming on here and taking the time to share with with everyone. And guys, you got you you were we, we talked about a few things, and 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 this show is really leading up to to an event that is coming. Benjamin, you and I have talked about it, and that's the second Exodus. Folks, there's another exodus coming. It's so powerful that the Bible says when it happens, they'll no longer even speak about the first one. And, and we're going to talk about that here in, in the Remnant Call in an upcoming episode because God has a plan to get us through these end times. He, he, uh, this, is not taught, this has not caught God by surprise. He didn't wake up this morning and say, I didn't see that coming. He is ready, and he's got a plan for his people, and it is exciting, and it's amazing. And that's coming up on the Remnant Call, uh, the second Exodus, and I'm excited about that show. And, and Benjamin and John, just again, thank you guys so much for being here. What a great show. Even though they had a technical difficulty in the beginning, God's still blessed. And I just thank you all for it. And so with that, I want to say to everyone, this is uh, Brother Frank and Benjamin and John from the Remnant Call saying good night and Shalom. Oh,
Trumpet in Zion, someday